Do you know what you're listening to? And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Snowman in the Morning podcast. Did you not get the memo? Insanity ensues. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. Time to get back at it. The Panthers are in a world of trouble heading into 2021. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Snowman in the Morning, brought to you by Beamer Tire and Auto, now in three locations in the triad. Try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. We're also brought to you by Action247.eu. It's an online sportsbook and casino, and it's a reliable sportsbook with thousands of active players from all around the world. They cater to everyone's needs with their in-demand products from in-game sports betting to live casino, esports, and much more. Use the promo code SNOWMAN and get a 50% sign-up bonus with your first deposit. We can be found on all socials using the term official SIT Morn. A ton to get into today. We have our morning headlines. Of course, that'll be our... Our uh, next segment, and I have Connor O'Neill and Brett Newman on uh, the docket today. Well, let's see. Where do we start? We start with the Carolina Panthers sitting at four and nine with three games to play. And Saturday night, they're on the road in Green Bay, a potential NFC championship participant. Is it possible? Is it possible that the Carolina Panthers can lose out and end up 4-12? and and have a shot at another high draft pick. Look at the schedule they got coming up. They go to Green Bay on Saturday. They face Washington and their old coach, Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera. And then they host New Orleans. With the Packers in New Orleans fighting for the number one seed in the NFC, and Washington having a shot at a playoff berth and clinching the NFC East. As it stands right now, they currently have the sixth overall pick in the 2021 draft. The first question that pops out of everyone's mouth, or that's popped it off to me, did the Panthers make a mistake in extending Christian McCaffrey's contract? No, they did not. Quite frankly, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. And though he's played somewhat sparingly this season, you have to pay him for the fabulous season he had last year and what he was aiming toward this year. So, no, they did not make a mistake in extending Christian McCaffrey. You want to lock in the face and the player of the franchise for as long as you can. They did it with Cam Newton, and now they're doing it with Christian McCaffrey. Although I get the feeling you're going to have some better results with Christian McCaffrey than you would than they did with Cam Newton. But with three games left, what good reason is there to play CMC? Um, I'll answer that. There ain't none. Three games left, 
He's already banged up, beat up, hasn't been able to come back since the game in Kansas City. Why would you play him? He is the face of the franchise. Leave him alone and let him heal. It's the same thing I believe the 49ers are going to do with Debo Samuel and with Jimmy Garoppolo. Y'all rest up for 2021, then we'll come out and kick ass. That's the absolute thought that I have right now. There are levels to this. There are absolute levels to this. And the first level is to have all your players healthy. Christian McCaffrey is that player. Christian McCaffrey is that kind of player where they can build a franchise around him. And to answer a question I asked just a few moments ago, no. You do you do not take a risk with Christian McCaffrey with three games left in the season unless you absolutely know and are absolutely sure that he is healthy. Unless you are absolutely certain of that. So, no, I wouldn't take a chance with Christian McCaffrey. I just would not take I would not take that chance. Not with everything that could ride on the line later on, like two, three years down the line or even next year when you're competing for a spot in the NFC, uh, uh, competing for the top spot, I should say, in the NFC South. Now, what are the odds that we see P.J. Walker or Will Greer at quarterback? Low. Very, very low. I just have this sinking feeling that Bridgewater is probably going to get the call for the rest of the season. But as I said yesterday on the program, why? I mean, Bridgewater is a very capable quarterback. Don't get it twisted. But at the same time, we haven't seen him throw the ball downfield. We have not seen him attempt to throw the ball downfield. And that has been his downfall. That's been his downfall. Here's another thing that gets to me about the Carolina Panthers in my first season covering them. Desmond Johnson was the first to say it, and now I've seen it for myself for 14 games. Very much up close. Carolina does a great job of keeping themselves in the game, having a chance to win the game. They'll be, they are competitive. They are that. They are very much competitive. But ultimately, they're four and nine. I go back to the Minnesota game two weeks ago. If Bridgewater, and I know I left the Bridgewater quarterback situation hanging. I'll get back to that in a moment. If Bridgewater hits a wide open DJ Moore and doesn't sail the ball over his head, 
That's a touchdown, not a field goal, and that's a win. We walk out of Minnesota with a win. You get a few more yards in Kansas City, and Joey Sly beats the world champions on their turf. You get about 10 more yards in New Orleans, you beat them on their turf. So those three games alone could make them could have made them seven and six with three to play. I'll give you a fourth game that they could have won against the Bears. The Bears had no semblance of offense whatsoever and haven't hasn't had a semblance of offense in a long time. Yet the Panthers let them get away. So there were quite a few games that the Panthers let get away that they should not have. Simply put, that they should not have. Which brings me to Matt Rule talking about his team being competitive in these games. Um, I mean, it's a great question. You always ask me questions that make me think. Uh, we have to find a way to get it done at the end of the game. You know, that's our job. Uh, that being said, I think, um, you know, I think hanging in there, sometimes coming back from leads, I think that shows a competitive spirit. Um, I think, you know, I was having a conversation with one of their coaches before the game, and, you know, he was saying that uh, when you're playing a lot of rookies, as we all are with COVID and all that, or as us, as we're turning, you know, currently entering a new phase with the roster, you, know, you, you, you try to get, you know, 1,000 to 1,500 reps in the spring that we didn't get. And so um, I think that that's been really difficult. I look forward to having a true off season where I can really, and we can really coach and teach and teach these situations better. Um, but that being said, our job is to find a way to get these things done. And um, I was really proud of, of our offense on, on, on you know, yesterday when you know, we scored 17 points in the fourth quarter um, to come back and have a chance to win. Problem is we needed to score 24, you know? And so, um, you know, there were some good things in there, but um uh, just just wasn't quite enough, and so I, I, um, I, I wish we would just take one more step. And we had a chance to do it yesterday. We didn't do it. Uh, we have three more shots to see if we can go get one of those game-winning drives. They've had their chances at game-winning drives. They absolutely have had their chances at game-winning drives, but just couldn't pull the trigger. I just named four of those chances right there. The Bears. New Orleans, Kansas City, Minnesota. They win those four. They're eight and five. And they're right in the thick of a wild card race. And it's what Matt Rule said. They have to find a way to get it done. There was, I happened to catch the Panthers press conference. And there was a great question asked about Matt, how Matt Rule, who struggled in his first seasons at both Baylor and Temple. And the question was, how do you keep guys from glossing over it? Here was Matt's response. Uh, I don't um, tell them the truth, you know? <laughs> Um, there's no really, there's no secret. I mean, every game's a little bit different, you know? So I, you know, after the Vikings game, I told them I felt like the coaches didn't do their part at the end of the game. 
Um, and that's, you know, that's a very strong message with, you know, there's a lot of plays I thought the players could have made, but at the end of the day, took responsibility as a staff yesterday. Um, I told them if we beat ourselves, if we have all those penalties, if we're taunting, if we're, if we're having coverage busts where we're giving up huge touchdowns, which we haven't done all year, uh, we're not going to win the game. And so it's really the same message all year. It's just every game's been accentuated a little differently. Um, Same message all year, just accentuated a little differently. Rule had a couple comments on Bridgewater ignoring the coaches and ran a rush third down before the two-minute warning in the game. If the clock's ticking and you're the quarterback – and you're going to get a free timeout with the two-minute warning, don't run a play. Because then you could it, it could backfire. It could turn into a turnover. It could be an incomplete pass. And then the next thing you know, if it's an incomplete pass or anything else that doesn't get you the first down, you're facing a fourth down right after the two-minute warning, and then you don't have the luxury of that extra timeout. So I agree with I, I agree with Matt. Bridgewater did ignore the ignore the coaches. And at that point, I know he had a little bit of rhythm, but you gotta slow down. You have to slow down. What do the Packers do? What do the Panthers do? I beg your pardon. They played in Green Bay last year and were stopped one yard short of tying the game. Christian McCaffrey, for those of you who remember, was stopped one yard short for, from tying the game. This year they don't have Christian McCaffrey at their disposal. They don't have McCaffrey at their disposal. Big problem. Absolute big problem. So how are the Panthers going to look on offense? Are they going to look like the offense that shut out the Detroit Lions? Or are they look are they going to be the offense that for three and a half quarters were so inept against the Denver Broncos? Which Panther offense are we going to see? And the Panthers offensively, well, collectively, looked like they were just a tad bit slow, a step slow. That's not good. That's not good at all. Have to see what happens Saturday night. And it's going to be an interesting setup. Either the Panthers could surprise everybody or it could be a long Saturday night in Wisconsin. Snowman in the Morning brought to you in part by Beamer Tire and Auto Repair Centers. Now with three locations in the triad, Greensboro, 
High Point and their new location in Kernersville. Try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Pause for a break. We got headlines and then Connor O'Neill later on. Back in a flash. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and auto repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamRetire.com. All right, folks, you know what time it is. It is Wednesday, and it is time for me to welcome the one, the only, Connor O'Neill to talk some ACC stuff. Connor, how are you, my friend? Good to have you again. Good to be on, Brian. Uh, doing all right. Just um, hoping to cover another football game. Yeah, I miss covering football, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I missed it for a month there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty hard. Well, we have two championship games on Saturday night. Let's break down let's uh break them both down. We'll start with Clemson Notre Dame in the ACC championship. Who is the key player for Clemson not named Trevor Lawrence? Oh, it's gotta be James Skalski. Um he's the he's the one that, you know, most people dialed into college football know of. He's Clemson's middle linebacker. Uh, he missed the first Notre Dame game. And, I mean, hes you can make the argument he's more valuable to Clemson's defense than Trevor Lawrence is valuable to their offense. Uh, he gets everybody lined up, gets everybody positioned. He's really the, the quarterback of the defense, to use that cliche about a middle linebacker. But, but that's him. And... You know, Notre Dame's offense has some playmakers, and they were making tons of plays against Clemson in the first game around. So if Clemson's defense is going to hold him under 47 points, then, then he's the key. Now let's flip the coin. Who's the key player for Notre Dame that's not named Ian Book? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go offense with this one, and I think it's Kyron Williams. Um, he's really been – one of the best running backs in the ACC all year, and, and it's really been a running back-dominated conference. So I, I've i loved him running style all year. I think he's a, a really good running back and probably a future pro. And, you know, I just I just talked glowingly about Clemson's defense, but if, if Kyron Williams can get going and open up play action in that offense, that's going to that's gonna open up some holes against Kern Venable's defense there. What other conference championship matchups are you looking forward to watching? I mean, I guess I'm looking forward to the first quarter of Alabama, Florida, uh, and then we'll see what that game looks like. I mean, you know, not to not to kick Florida when they're down um, with with shoes staying on, but I mean it's. It's just at this point, it's like, what's Florida playing for? You know, they're they're trying to play the spoiler. Um, you know, maybe Kyle Trask comes out and throws six touchdowns and they win, and, and he can win a Heisman. But they're not going to be in the CFP even with a win. So no, 
They're trying to play the role of spoiler, and and a lot of times when you try to play the role of spoiler against an Alabama team that that is geared up to win a championship, uh, an Alabama team that that missed out on going to the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't think it works out too well in no. those situations. So yeah. I, I would I would think the this game won't be much of a game until uh, past the first fifteen to twenty minutes. I don't even give fifteen minutes. I'm sorry. That's just how angry <laughs> I see Alabama being against Florida. It's going to be a yeah. Crimson Tide blitzkrieg in Atlanta. All right? I don't even give yeah. it 15 minutes. If if they go past 12 minutes and it's not 30 to nothing, I'll be surprised. I've seen <laughs> I'm, I'm in, there the with Sa- yeah. in the Nick Saban era, folks, follow me here. In the Nick Saban era, when they missed a chance at a championship, the following year, everybody gets blitzed. Everybody. This has been that year. And I wouldn't be surprised if within 12 minutes it's either 21 nothing or close to 30 to nothing. Alabama wants to put this game to bed and head to wherever their playoff game is. That's just how I see it. Let's stay with championship games. Yeah, I see it the same way. Yeah. I Let's stay with championship games. Northwestern and Ohio State from Indianapolis to kick off the day. And I am very, I am invested personally in this game because being from Chicago, I'm a big fan of the Northwestern Wildcats. I'll have your thoughts first. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know that about you, Brian. That's good to know because I can kind of temper what I'm going to say about this one. <laughs> um, no, uh, you, think, I, you think it's going to be bad? You know, too? if. <laughs> I think it's I think it's got the potential to be bad. I think it's really it's Ohio State's an interesting team to me yeah. because you know you you have college students will the the college athletes will tell you that they're able to tune out all the noise. They don't pay attention to what people say on Twitter or on ESPN or anything like that. But you know, every once in a while you get the honest ones that that'll tell you like it's impossible to avoid. And I think. <laughs> That applies to this Ohio State team. They they sit there. They're just like us. They watch ESPN. They watch people say that, you know, no, this team doesn't have a chance. This team doesn't have a right playing six games to be in the CFP, playing teams that have played full 11, 12-game seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to me to see how they come out and respond to that. They could come out trying to do way too much, find themselves in a dogfight against Northwestern. Uh, I've loved watching Northwestern play this year. I watched a lot of the Wisconsin games, really impressed by their defense. And so if they, if they wind up in a dogfight and it's a four quarter game, then who knows what could happen? Mm -hmm. Uh, Ohio state could start pressing Ohio state could, could start kind of feeling the pressure. Okay. You know, everybody is criticizing our season so far and we haven't really been blowing big 10 teams out the way we did the last few years. So we really need to make a statement here and we're not doing it. Then that's going to create a lot of game pressure. On the other hand, they could come out and, you know, go, go gangbusters on them and, yep. and score 28 points in the first quarter. And Justin <laughs> Fields could, could be throwing more touchdowns than he has in completion and that kind of thing. So, yeah. I'm I'm really intrigued by this game. You know, I said this earlier in the week, and I'm going to go ahead and say it again, and I know I'm doing this against my better judgment. 
I will admit this. I'm doing this against my better judgment. I'm calling for the upset. The hell with it. <laughs> I'm calling for the upset. Now, I know 90, 99% of me says there's no way we can beat Ohio State. But that 1% of me says, remember 2004 at Ryan Field when the students stormed the field and my buddy Dave Bennett, who's the voice of the Northwestern Wildcats, went crazy. I'm going for it. I'm calling for the upset. Will it be close? I like it. You're, you're, going, you're going with your heart instead of your brain. I'm, I like it. And that's exactly what I do with my favorite teams. I always go with my heart instead of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done it for the length of time. I've been a Northwestern fan. I'm going for the ups. I'm calling for the upset. Y'all heard it here. I'm calling for the upset. I wouldn't mind being wrong on this one because I know how great of a team Ohio State is. I'll put that out there. But doggone it, I need one. I just need one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one I'm gonna this is the one I'm gonna lean on. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's two great teams. I hear you. I... <laughs> Now you're kind of got me hoping that they win it for you. <laughs> it's it's two great teams, though, Northwestern and Ohio State. And on and off the record, both teams do deserve a shot at the Big Ten title. That's the game in Indianapolis. Now, should Clemson beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship, do both teams get to the, get to the playoff? I think so. I you know, for me, there's there's not much hesitation there. I think that they will have both proven that they're two of the best four teams in the country. Um, that might be a little different if you had a, a one loss Florida that would then have beaten Tech or uh, beaten Alabama. Then maybe we can have the discussion. But <laughs> you know, right now the number five team, Texas A&M team, are lost by four touchdowns to Alabama. Yes, so I just I don't see it. I don't see it really being that justifiable to put them in over uh, a one-loss Notre Dame. So I would, I would say absolutely those two get in if Clemson wins. Yeah. Now I want Clemson to win so they can both get in, and so my earlier prediction can happen. Not two, but three with Clemson. <laughs> and you were on the show when I said it. You were, you were riding shotgun with me. I had you on the phone when I said it could be not the first of two, but the first of three with Clemson. And Notre Dame. How climactic would that be for the college football season? I was. I, I would just. God, I don't want to see them play for a third time. It's. It's weird enough when we get college basketball teams that play for, you know, a third and fourth time in the regular season nowadays, mm -hmm. or or including tournament time. So, I just. If it can be avoided, that's the scenario that I'll root for. Um, <laughs> Fair but, enough. You know, it, above above anything, like as long as if that if Clemson wins, if both of them get in, then you know it's it's probably all well and good. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We will we will see what happens. If Ohio, it, I may as well ask them both. If Ohio State beats Northwestern, do they seal up their spot on January first? I think so. I I think that. A team has so much star power with Justin Fields, uh, um, Chris Olave at receiver. 
Um, Master Teague is is probably the best name in college football. At least he's my favorite name. Uh, running back there. Yeah, I I think they I think they lock up their spot. I think that I I would. I would hope that they can't get any higher than four unless Mm -hmm. Notre Dame wins. Then I could see Clemson being the four and you get a Notre Dame, Ohio state in the two, three game. And then an Alabama Clemson because in the one, four doesn't love seeing Alabama and Clemson play right. One, four game. (laughs) Alabama (laughs) and Clemson. You would think they'd get sick of seeing each other in the playoff, but they're not. It's fun. It's it's fun seeing them go out. The good old depth. The good old Dabo rivalry. Yep. Who um who is your pick for national coach of the year and why? Ooh. Um I always think that coach of the year kinda we we lose the criteria some. At mm-hmm. least with ACC coach of the year voting, it's 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 almost always it goes to the coach whose team everybody thought was gonna really think that season and they end up having a halfway decent year mm-hmm. and i do think that it should go to those types of guys sometimes but not every year like it like it tends to be the case yep i would say the national coach of the year to me is brian kelly um to have to have notre dame enter a conference for the first time to deal with the distractions of the pandemic the the shutdowns that they've had to you know go into north carolina and face the best offense in the country uh, statistically and hold them to something like 120 yards in the last three quarters. Yep. was just a, a ridiculous performance. Uh, they beat Clemson. You know, I, I think it's Brian Kelly at this point. Um, uh, that'd be my pick. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Going to a conference for the first time, even with all of the factors coming into play in the, 11,000 students, which seemed like 80,000 to me when I looked on seeing them storm the field. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I would have to go with Brian Kelly being the uh, being the national coach of the year. How far do the Chanticleers rise in this pandemic football season? I mean, hopefully they get to a New Year's Six Bowl. They certainly deserve it. They're the, I think, second-best group of five team in the country behind Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's become clear that the the college football playoff committee is never going to put a a group of five team in the playoff. So no, they're not. That New Year's six is the is the highest they can reach, and and I think Cincinnati and Coastal should both be in in New Year's six games. And for the love of God, they should not play each other. No, uh, they, they should they should have a chance to punch up and beat the big boys. Yeah, I believe that. I've seen it too many times where the chance is right there. And they don't do they don't do anything with it. I've seen that too many times. What do you guys think? Does Clint do Clemson and Notre Dame both get a spot if Clemson should beat Notre Dame on Saturday? Tweet your thoughts to official SRT Moore. That's our question of the day. And that's Connor O'Neill joining me. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Connor O'Neill N O O. Thank you very much, my friend. Appreciate the time. Thank you, Brian. I'm serious about Northwestern. I am so serious about the Northwestern Wildcats. And you heard it here. I am calling for the upset. I'm calling for the upset to have my Northwestern Wildcats 
beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. I would love for it to happen. I certainly would. That means I get to blast the Northwestern Wildcat fight song on the air. And y'all will get tired of me doing that. Back in a minute. Hey, Coach. Desmond Johnson here, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. One of the positions of need for the Hornets going into the offseason was center. How surprised were you to see Kerry and Richard still available in the second round for you? Two first-team conference selections in the ACC and the SEC. I'm sure you like that pick, right? You must have liked that pick. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Tobacco Road. Yeah. I, I was shy. I, I, I didn't. I thought it was illegal to draft Dukies here at... at uh, <laughs> the Rundown with Desmond Johnson, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. every Friday afternoon during the Friday Rush on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Now to welcome a fellow I haven't had on in a while. You know him as the host of The Score with Brett Wiseman, 10 a.m. Saturday mornings on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Follow the show at The Score TRSR on Twitter and also Follow him at Broadcast Brett on Twitter. I'm speaking of the one and only Brett Wiseman. He joins me now. Brett, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Good to have you back on the show again. Yes, sir. Always good to be on here with you. Your initial thoughts on Hornets rookie point guard LaMelo Ball after two outings. Did they nail the pick in your eyes, or is there still something missing? I think they nailed it to a T. And the the real key for me wasn't so much the scoring, because I know a lot of people watched that and thought he's not scoring, he's just Lonzo reincarnated, but he wasn't he wasn't drafted to score. This this team has guys that can score the basketball and score it at will. We we we've seen that mm-hmm. time and again. Mm-hmm. You know, um it wasn't so much that as it was how crisp his passing was. I mean, he was just dazzling. And, you know, take into account also he's 6'9". Yes. So, he's grabbing 6'8", boards a ball game. You know, if, if he finds a way to throw in the 12 points like he had in, the, in that second outing, and, you know, I, I don't want him as a fan, and I don't think anyone else does, wants him to go out there and try and create his own shot because right. that's not his job. His job is to facilitate and to create for everybody else out there. And, you know, if, if he's throwing beautiful lobs like and, you know, home run passes like he's been uh, the, the past couple of these first two games of the preseason, then, then we're spoiled. We're in for a real treat. And you know something? You're right. You know, I wasn't sold on the mellow ball until I saw him play in the body that he's in right now. When I first saw him, he was, what, six foot two and chucking up shots all over the place. And I thought – uh, he was not going to fit with anybody. Now, standing at six foot nine and running the floor, he runs like a deer. Okay, and he's throwing pinpoint passes. His job, as you said, is to be a creator, and he is definitely being a creator. The scoring is going to be a bonus because they already have people that can put the ball in the bucket. Were you surprised that Giannis re-upped with the Bucks? I talked about this in my unpopular opinion a little bit ago in the show. But I want to hear from Brett. Were you surprised that Giannis re-upped to the, with the Bucks? I wasn't necessarily surprised that he re-upped. I was more surprised at the amount of money. Um, because A, it was the Supermax. B, it's, it is the largest deal in the history of the league to 
to this point. So obviously there was interest on both sides to get something done, but I wouldn't say I'm surprised. I always had a, a feeling in the back of my head that he was going to stay in Milwaukee. Um, whether or not that's good for, you know, the league overall, that he doesn't go to a higher profile team is, I don't really care, but that's not up to me to decide. But, you know, I, I, I like it. I'm not going to say I'm surprised, but, you know, certainly I wouldn't have ruled him out going to a, a Miami or, or elsewhere. Yeah, that's kind of where I was leaning all summer. Anyone who's listened to the show all summer knew where I where I was leaning. But I'm glad he re-upped. I'm glad he got the deal. But if y'all go back or I'll post it later and listen to my unpopular opinion, you'll hear my entire feelings about that. Or I may just put it on my Patreon with a few more things. But moving on in our NFL notes, Zion Williamson, 26-11 and 11, Monday night in the preseason versus Miami. There's no minutes restriction for the former Duke superstar. What is your expectations for Zion Williamson this year? Far exceeding what he did last year because I mean, he barely played. You know, <laughs> yeah. He played 10, 12 minutes a game. We never, we never got a sample size. Mm-hmm. And then the, he went into the bubble after after the pause, and he still didn't play any more than 12 minutes a game. Right. So the, the, the bar for him is pretty low at this point. But – you know, 26 and 11 and you know, what he played uh, the other night, uh, 18, 20 minutes, yep. maybe. Yep. And they're going to start building him up there. And if he if he gets a double-double in, in not even half a ball game, what are we going to see when he plays 24, 26, 28, 30 minutes? Do you think he has to still work to those 30 minutes? Because I look at it from the standpoint of what he did at Duke – for what 25 games and then we saw what he did last year and it collapsed due to a constant injury i don't know um does he has does he does he still have work to do i think he's gonna have to work his way up yeah and I think more of that has to do with – because if it's up to him, he's going to go out there and play 30 minutes a night. Right. Right. I, I don't think it's up to him. I think it's, it's – the onus is on the coaching staff and, and the medical staff to, to, to look at what happened at Duke and what happened last year mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you wear him out too much, he's not going to be around long. Yeah. So I, I think certainly he's going to have to work his way up to that – there's 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 going to have to be some kind of a minute cap or a pitch count, but the 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 number of that is going to continue to go up as his workload increases. Remember, they can't rest somebody if they're healthy now, right? In a national TV game, and I believe they've got a couple. One of which is against Charlotte, so mm-hmm. uh, that's got to be taken into account as well. Yeah, I. People are not going to like me for this opinion, but he's got a year plus worth of work to do to get into the shape that he needs to be in to anchor that New Orleans club and to repeat something that I've said, uh, shucks, a hundred thousand times over. I think he's playing the wrong position. Yeah, I agree. 
I think he's but, playing uh, the know, absolute wrong. I think he's playing the wrong position. He's played out of position for so long. And he's he's coming to the league with that already submitted. You know, if if you put him at the three, to me, the way I see things working out, that that's a lot better fit than him being at the four at least the five. They they put him out a few times, but. Yep. To me, there's no other position other than the three that he should play, just just because that's that's what he matches up best at, in in my book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He can shoot the basketball. You know, he needs to extend his range a little bit, but that's yeah. another thing he's going to have to work on. But you know, he's explosive on the drive. He's a great on-ball defender. He's a great off-ball defender. He's a lot more versatile. Um, then I think a lot of people realize because he hasn't really got a chance to show that yet. And he doesn't get a chance to show that if he's playing the four. Because half the time he's down on the block. Here's a thought. And I heard Gilbert Arenas say this. I heard a couple of other people in basketball say this. You know the position where if he lost a little, if he lost some weight, worked on his endurance, and developed a jump shot, you know where he would be really dangerous? Shooting guard. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, if he drops 10 pounds even, they might think about putting him at the three. But he's his player type, his player archetype, and his body type right now aren't, aren't matching up. And, and that's the problem, mm-hmm. you see. And, you know, that explosive guard-forward combo, he can be that. Um the only problem is the body type doesn't match the archetype right now. It really doesn't. If he had a consistent jump shot, he would be so dangerous at shooting guard. Or if he had handles, a hybrid, a point guard and a shooting guard. But I think more two than one for Zion for, for Zion Williamson. There's such a ceiling right now with Zion. The problem is are the New Orleans Pelicans going to allow him to reach that ceiling? I don't know. And this this is what concerns me because I, I we you and I both know he doesn't want to stay there probably mm-hmm. past his rookie deal. Right. Right. Um, Anthony Davis probably stayed there a lot longer than he wanted to. Yes. Um that's just it's it's like Charlotte. It's it's a market where you don't you can't market to or keep a star. And, you really can't. You know, once he well, once he works his body up to that, I, I don't think he can truly realize wh- what that ceiling is. And I think I think it's pretty pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he can realize what that is. In New Orleans, I, I just don't think that is an environment in which someone of his caliber, especially if you know he makes the kind of changes we're talking about, that that he can he can flourish and and reach the heights that I think you and I both know he certainly has talent to do. Absolutely, and what's scary about it, New Orleans knows that. New Orleans exactly. themselves knows that. Here's here's how I'm leaning. The Pelicans are going to get contracted. 
I really feel the Pelicans are going to get contracted within the next four to five years. And yes, they have hosted two All-Star games, one which was forced because of all the, the belly-up ballyhoo that was going on in 2017, and they hosted their first All-Star game in 2014. Not that New Orleans is not an attractive city, but let's just be let's just be practical and compare this against Dallas. While Dallas was able to fill up Cowboy Stadium, which was named at the time, why couldn't New Orleans take a chance and host the All-Star game in the Superdome to really attract a crowd, to really attract NBA fans? Well, well, let's throw it back to the early 2000s and the reason the Charlotte Bobcats even existed. Yeah. Because New Orleans, kind of out of the blue, uh, became a destination for an NBA team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had the Jazz there in the in the late 60s, early 70s, then moved to Utah, where there's no jazz music in Utah. But, you know, we have that. There's no lakes in California either. Right. Um, but those are weird quirks that I like to bring up every <laughs> once in a while. Um, but, yeah, go, go back to 2003. George Shin, as, you know, much of a bumbling idiot as he was, <laughs> to put it lightly, um, thought New Orleans was a viable basketball market and took them there. Built a beautiful new arena right next to the Superdome. It doesn't make sense to me, and you, you, you brought up a good point. By the way, there's a Charlotte guy in that All-Star game in Dallas. You get 108,000 people there. There's nothing that says you can't fit and fill up the Superdome and you can fill it up for every fourth Final Four. Mm-hmm. I for mean... me, New Orleans just isn't a great basketball city. No. I'm sorry. It, it's a football town. It always will be. There are certain cities in which basketball just takes a back seat. Yep. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Seattle not having a basketball team right now is still a travesty. You, you just took the exact city out of my head. And I, for some dumb reason, I still wish the kingdom was up. Because there should be another All-Star game in Seattle. Oh, there was an All-Star game at the King Dome. Uh, I can't remember what 80, year. I know there 87. Was one the late 80s, yeah. 87. 87. Okay, yeah. I like, remembered it being them. Yep. Like I said, I just wish the King Dome was still up. Because I am still not used to the idea of no basketball in Seattle. I'm just not... No, and, and I don't think it's on anymore, but there was a uh, there was a really good documentary on, I think it was on Amazon Prime, called Sonic Gate. Yep. Uh, that basically told uh, how the Thunder came to be, and it, it, was, it was a pretty shady uh, process. But mm-hmm. the good thing is, going forward for Seattle, if, you know, the scenario which you bring up happens, um, they're getting an NHL team next year. They're building a absolutely gorgeous, state-of-the-art, yes, uh, roughly twenty thousand seat arena on the site of the old Key Arena. That's going to be basically completely carbon neutral, thanks to Amazon. I mean, it's it's good. it's going to be a, a one of its kind. I mean, the ice for the hockey team they're going to make out of recycled rainwater. Right. So, I mean, it's 
it's it's it's a it's a 22nd century thing. So you know, you make that <laughs> kind it. of a pitch. You make that kind of a pitch to the NBA. Uh, that ain't hard. That's gonna be hard turned out. Mm-hmm. It really is. But don't. I know I got more stuff here, but don't you miss the Seattle SuperSonics? Being I think in the everybody NBA? does. I know I do. If there's, I don't think there's a single fan of the NBA overall that knows enough about the NBA to care. <laughs> I doesn't miss the Seattle SuperSonics. <laughs> I, I knew there was a reason I love having you on here. Brett Wiseman joining me here on the program. <laughs> to the NFL, would you bench or start Panthers quarterback Teddy Bridgewater Saturday in Green Bay? He's 0-7 in his last seven starts. Y'all heard my answer this morning. Do I start him? No. Brett, your thoughts? Unequivocally no, and here's why. What, what, where are we going this weekend? We're Green going Bay. to the frozen tundra, yep. right? Yep. If Teddy Bridgewater can't throw a ball more than four yards in the air in 60-degree Charlotte weather. How the hell is he going to throw a ball? Imagine what kind of a loaded brick he's going to be throwing in Green Bay. <laughs> I love this guy. He thinks the he thinks old school the way I do. You're right. How the hell is he going to throw a ball less than four yards in Green Bay? playing on that turf if he can't throw it more than eight yards in charlotte in charlotte there's no or way. or tampa or new orleans in the superdome i mean nothing against teddy bridgewater i mean he, he's balled out when he could he's got over three thousand passing yards but riddle me this and desmond brought this up on my program and i mentioned it earlier how do you have three thousand passing yards when at least three quarters of them came on a check down a check down, a slant route, a, a yep. corner, an out route. An out route. He, he hasn't thrown a ball over 15 yards the entire year and somehow has over 3,000 yards. I haven't seen him throw a ball over 15 yards since week two in Tampa when he tried to bring him back from that deficit. I but have not seen that. that was only because he had to. Yeah, because he was down three, four scores. I I don't. It, it's just, it's just not it's not viable, especially in the in the environment that you're going in, and you're talking about going up against one of one of, one of the, the best offenses. One of the best right in the now. one of the best in the business. You're going up against one of the best in the, the business. Bad, the bad man himself, the bad Aaron, man, Rodgers. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. I mean, you win against one, yeah. You win against Superman and Patrick Mahomes, who can throw the ball both with both hands and at odd angles, and I've seen him do it. Now you're going up to Aaron Rodgers' joint? What? In December? In December. I mean, you want to talk about going into the Lions' den on yeah. a Saturday night. No on a, sa like, on a primetime Saturday night game. No disrespect to the Panthers, but it it's like – It's a tough draw. It, it, it's like last year in the NFC Championship – when everybody slept on San Francisco and then San Francisco punched Green Bay in the mouth. Oh, yeah. As, as a Packers fan, I prefer if you didn't remind me of that. <laughs> but that's, that's the, oh, okay, I'll be fair. It's like in 90 when the 49ers were expected to roll over the Giants and the Giants kicked them in the back and won with five field goals. 
Well, hey, how about uh, 95 when the 49ers were just kings of the NFC and the Packers were nobodies? And Brett Favre showed up. And Brett Favre showed up. At the time, <laughs> Free Con Park and Brett Favre magically appeared. And I'm wondering, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> hey, maybe DJ Walker is that guy. He just has maybe, to show up first. Yeah, they have to give him the ball. They have to give yeah, him the ball. I mean, he, he, he has an arm. We know that. Yes, he does. He he does indeed and have an arm. Uh, when you don't when you don't have McCaffrey, like they're not going to have. I don't think. I no, don't think that's happening, and it's reportedly not going to happen. It's not. If that's not happening, you're going to lean even more on the passing game because uh, Mike Davis got one hell of a workload last week, and I mean, he did all he could with it. But yep. He ultimately, he again, it wasn't enough. No. It wasn't. There's, there, there's got to be some kind of discussion going on right now. You got to, you got to at least think about it. Something has got, something has got to give. Speaking of something having to give, can the New Orleans Saints win the Super Bowl with Taysom Hill as their quarterback? With Taysom Hill. Are, are you asking me that question? Like, is, is this a legitimate question, or are you kidding? This is on my notes in front of me. I will just Absolutely say that. Not. Thank you. Thank you. I, that, that's the and, answer I was waiting for. That's the exact it, it, answer it, it, I was it, waiting for. Out there, actually, legitimately think that people actually we think we never talk about football again. People tweeted that to me. Just stop watching football, Brett. You follow You've me on Twitter. You automatically lost all credibility. <laughs> You're done. Brett, Sit down. There's, Brett. No, there's no way in hell that it's happening. People actually, you follow me on Twitter. You know the ridiculousness that I get and that I later put on the air. Someone actually sent that to me. I kid you not. Someone... I got to go find this person and very professionally <laughs> tell him that he should just never watch football again today in his life. <laughs> One more before we get out of here. It's Clemson. It's Notre Dame. It's the ACC championship in Charlotte. What would be the bigger storyline? The ACC getting two teams into the college football playoff or Notre Dame beating Clemson a second time? Yes. (laughs) Because both things will happen. Yes. (laughs) You heard it here. Both things are going to happen. Even if Clemson loses, they're going to get in the playoff. They'll get in. Oh yeah, I know. Be the four. Yep, they'll be the they'll be the four, and they'll have to see Alabama, and then you're going to Ohio State and and Notre Dame at the two and at the two and the three. And speaking of Ohio, and speaking of Ohio State, I got to get this one in before we get out of here, and we're starting to run over on time. Does Ohio State blow out Northwestern Saturday morning? Did they deserve to be there? No, my question is, does Ohio State blow out Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship? Well, first of all, they don't deserve to be there, and I made that point. Yes, you did. Yes, you did, and I love that. uh, uh, I I think they run all over them, but I'm not happy about it because I don't don't even think there should be a shred of them actually being able to play in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know why the Big Ten bent the rules for them? You know why the Big Ten bent the rules for them? Because they complain. Yep. Because that and and, Cause and it's also Ohio State, Ohio State complains. 
Yep. I'm, I'm sorry. There's no other way to put it. That's exactly what happened. That's it. It there is. Was no discussion of this until Ryan Day said, "Oh, we should be able to play right. out of our control." Right. Sorry, your Absol- conference decided not to play half the season. Yep. That's on them. It is on them. It it is it is on them. And you know what? I'm really going to make you smile by saying this. And I said this earlier in the show. I hope Northwestern pulls the upset of all upsets. This is a pick I do too. I'm making with my heart and not my head, but I don't care. I say hashtag go you Northwestern, and I'm pulling for my Wildcats to pull the upset. Go fighting Reese Davidson. <laughs> oh, what a storyline that would be. The fighting Reese Davis's beat number four Ohio State. Do you know how much fun I'm going to have? That would make things the next day at noon. Do you know how much fun I'll have on this show the following Monday, blasting the fight song "Go You Northwestern"? I am think about how much fun or not fun Greg Stanky, the SEC commissioner, is going to have when the two ACC teams get the playoff. He's going to have to go hide in a bunker for two months. Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> My buddy Victor just tweeted me right now saying, Are you sure about your pick of Northwestern? Hell yes. I am taking my Northwestern Wildcats to win the Big Ten title. Hey, better than this, they'll win it by a touchdown. Hell, let's put it all the way out there. They'll win by double digits. I just want to hear my dear friend Dave Innett who's the voice of the Northwestern Wildcats and my dear, one of my dearest friends in broadcasting, Dave in I want to hear him say the Wildcats win just like he did in 2004 when Northwestern pulled the upset over Ohio state. We got to get out of here. Brett Wiseman joining me here. Follow him online at the score TRSR and at broadcast Brett, a pleasure, my friend, you got to come on here weekly so we can talk sports. You got to come on here weekly, man. Hey, anytime you need me, boss, man, I'm here for you. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Yes, sir. We got to go. Have a great day. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. Sign up for our Patreon, five bucks a month, patreon.com slash SIT morning. Got to go. See you later.